Um, the first reading is Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. Okay, starting at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he orders his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Following on from verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed on the third day uh, sorry he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life peter took him aside and began to rebuke him never lord he said this shall never happen to you jesus turned and said to peter get behind me satan you are a stumbling block to me you do not have in mind the concerns of god but merely human concerns then jesus said to his disciples whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Well, I'm wondering, did anyone uh, get anything unexpected for Easter? Anyone get a present they weren't expecting to get? No. Nothing. An Italian lesson. Anyone else get that? No? Okay. Uh, did anyone get something um, they did expect? Tricky. Maybe you'll get chocolate eggs for Christmas. <laughs> Who knows? Topsy-turvy. Who got Easter eggs for, Christ- for Easter? Some? Yeah. That's the thing about Easter, isn't it? You're never stuck there thinking, what on earth, parents, are you going to give the children for Easter? Uh, our grandparents, the, the, our parents, never ring us up and say, look, we're really not sure what a seven-year-old likes these days. What should we give them for Easter? Christmas, yes, months before. But Easter, 
completely expected. And it's not just the gifts that you give at Easter, is it? It's the, the story, the facts, which is completely expected. We all know the story. We get it even in the right order even. Jesus died for our sins on the Friday and he rose again on the Tuesday, not the Monday. Uh, got it. It's clear. We're down pat. Easter is anything but unexpected. Well, my job tonight is to convince you that Easter is unexpected and that you haven't got it down, Pat, it is extraordinarily unexpected and we need to dwell upon it to appreciate it. And there is more to Easter than we realise and it's got to turn our whole lives around. And it all comes out of this passage that we're looking at tonight. The points are there on your outline. I think you'll find them helpful. And most of it's going to be up on the screen. First thing. The unexpected killing of God's promised king. Do you see there verse 21? From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus has done so many unexpected things that he asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter says on behalf of them all, you are the Christ, God's promised king. And straight away Jesus says, I must go to Jerusalem. Not in that tourist sort of sense you know you simply must go to jerusalem there's so much to see no you must go to jerusalem i must go to jerusalem to suffer to suffer at the hands of god's leaders the fact that these people are his enemies is not unexpected we've seen that in matthew's gospel they hate him already but it's what they're going to do to him that's unexpected i must suffer and be killed. Was that unexpected to the disciples? You can see how unexpected it was. Peter, who's just declared him to be the Christ, God's promised king, does he sort of take him aside for a moment and say, Jesus, I don't quite get it. Can you explain it a little? I'm not quite on the same page. No. He pulls him aside and rebukes God's promised king. That's how unexpected it is. Never, Lord. And despite the fact that then Jesus rebukes him, despite the fact that again and again Jesus explains this to the disciples, they get to Jerusalem, it doesn't twig. He begins to suffer at the hands of the leaders, it doesn't twig. They don't expect it at all. They're not prepared for it, they try and stop it happening. They deny him, and when he is actually killed by a completely distraught, as if all their expectations have fallen apart. Why is that? He told them. It's very simple, isn't it? Because it is so unexpected. God's promised king killed. I really clearly remember the first time I explained the Good Friday story to a kindergarten class. 
You know, most of them have just begun to learn about God in that first week of term one. You keep learning about God's love and you learn about his son come into the world and the wonderful things that he did and his great power and his compassion. And the kids are thinking, no one can stop this man. He is so good. He is a superhero. And when you're five, the good guys always win. And so there I am telling them about this man's enemies and how they're coming against him and they want to kill him and the kids are all thinking, no way, he's going to be fine. And then I said, and then they put him up on a cross and he died. And their faces just dropped. They could not believe it. And they were so sad. That's the reaction when God's king is killed. But it's not our reaction, is it? We have heard it so many times. We think this is exactly what you'd expect from God's king. But I want you tonight to dwell for a moment, to cast your mind to Calvary, to the unexpected Easter. Do you see the horror of this? When I was writing this, uh, this sermon, an email popped up. It was from Barnabas Fund about the persecuted church. It was about a pastor in Sudan in Africa. He'd been talking to Muslims about Jesus and some of them had become Christians and so some extremist Muslims attacked his house. They tied up him, his wife and his daughters and killed them all. An innocent family who loved Jesus murdered is that expected that's shocking isn't it and good friday is shocking surely not just an innocent man but god's promised king and you notice here dwell on this that it's not just i will be killed do you see that what does he say i must be killed not because there's a perfect storm of political intrigue and power struggles and clashing religious passions, as in the, democ the uh, documentary I saw on TV last night. No, this is must. God's must. For it's God's plan. And there's no other way to save sinners like you or I than for God's promised king to be killed. Can you see how unexpected it is? Can you see what an unexpected and wonderful God we have? But there's more unexpected in Easter, isn't there? Even just in verse 21, there's the unexpected resurrection of God's promised king. Have a look there again. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. It's quite a punchline in that sentence, don't you think? Hard to miss, I would have thought. The striking thing is that Peter seems to have completely missed it. He rebukes him for saying, you'll suffer and die, but he doesn't pick up on this bit. You'd think he'd say, too right, Jesus. They can kill you, but you'll just get straight back up again. You're too strong for death. I've already seen you defeat death in other people. No, he doesn't say any of that. He misses it. And Jesus keeps on telling them this. I'll be raised on the third day. And they seem to completely 
miss it. Even when he does suffer and when he does die, they've gone to Jerusalem, he's killed just as he said. Do any of them say, what was that last thing he said? After the killed bit, there was another bit, wasn't there? What was it the third day was going to happen? No, they have completely forgotten. The third day comes, the disciples don't even bother to turn up. At least the women go there, but they go with the spices because they're expecting a dead body. The only people who expect anything to happen in Matthew's Gospel, do you remember, are the enemies of Jesus, who remember that he said he'd rise on the third day, figure the disciples might remember, they'll pull a swifty and steal his body and pretend that he's risen from the dead. But they needn't have bothered because the disciples didn't even notice. Why is that? Why did they miss the fact that he said he'd rise from the dead? Very simple. Because it was so unexpected. Inconceivable. As if he's going to rise from the dead. He's going to be laid in Joseph's tomb. Dead inside a cave for three days with a stone rolled, away, rolled over and a seal over the stone. As if he's going to rise from the dead. The second thing I remember about my kindergarten class is that next week, I think it was the following week, a whole week later, I had to tell them the next part of the story. They had Jesus dead, couldn't believe it. And then I said, and the women went to the tomb and the stone was rolled away and he was alive. You can imagine, can't you? They are delighted. They've never heard it before. They think it's extraordinary. And they are over the moon. How do we respond about Easter Sunday and the resurrection? Imagine you go home tonight, someone's at your house perhaps hasn't been to church, and they say, well, what did the preacher go on about this time? You say, oh, well, it was Easter Sunday. What do you expect? Jesus rose from the dead again. You mean the same as last year? Yeah. That's what we're like, isn't it? But this is extraordinary. Dwell on it for a moment. There laid in a tomb, crucified, the stone rolled away and he didn't just say, I will be killed, I will be raised. What did he say? I must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. It's not just that Jesus is more powerful than death. It's that this is God's plan. There was no other way to defeat death for you and I. And he has done it. Can you see how unexpected this is? Can you see what an unexpected and wonderful God we have? Now you might think that would be enough for Easter. Unexpected Easter. That would be enough unexpectedness for one man in one lifetime. And we've come to the end of verse 21. Surely that's it. Well, many people think it is. That's the end of the story, don't they? He suffered, he was killed, he was raised, and um, it'd be interesting to have a TV show on whatever happened to Jesus. I guess he died in his old age. No, that's not the end for Jesus, is it? There is much more than that for Jesus. And at the end of our passage tonight, verse 28, he says, 
I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. It's not as clear and concrete at first as verse 21 was. But Jesus here is talking about himself, isn't it? He's the Son of Man. That's his favorite title for himself. No one else seems to know what it means, but he is filling up that title with what it does mean. Here it clearly refers to Daniel 7, where there's a Son of Man, one like a Son of Man, a human being, who comes to God. And he's given all authority and power over all nations. He's given an everlasting kingdom. Jesus here is clearly saying, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be raised, but that is not the end. I'm going to come to God. I'm going to be given God's kingdom. I'll be given all authority and power, and it's going to happen, says Jesus, in your lifetime. Were you expecting that at Easter? But still, there's more. Have a look back at verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he'll reward each person according to what he has done. He'll be king, he'll, he'll be killed, he'll be raised, he'll come to God into his glory and receive his kingdom. And then he'll come from God with his angels and reward each one according to what he has done done do you see here is the unexpected easter he'll be killed must be killed he must be raised he must come into his kingdom and he must come to judge at the easter hat making workshop last week i thought i'd better show the kids just how good my craft skills were and so i looked up on the internet what you could do with one single a4 piece of paper it turns out if you just fold it this way and this way and this way and this way and cut it this way with a pair of scissors, do you know what you get? Magically, out of nowhere it seems, a cross. For Jesus must be killed. And there's a whole lot of other bits of paper that fall to the ground and then if you know how to stick them together, they make the word life. For Jesus must be killed and must be raised to life. Extraordinary. Right, But what I'd really like next time is for someone to come up with a craft that's just as simple so that I can do it, that's got must be killed, must be raised to life, then I want a crown, for he comes into his kingdom, be killed, raised, receives his kingdom, comes to God, and what's the last bit? He comes as judge. I want those five letters to put on the whiteboard as well. If anyone can do that, please come and tell me afterwards. This is the unexpected Easter, do you see? Be killed, raised, come into his kingdom and return as judge. Now that last bit hasn't happened yet, has it? And it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, does it? It seems very unexpected that he'll return from God and judge everyone. But check his track record, will you? On the first three, must be killed, tick. Must be raised, tick. Must come to God and receive a kingdom, tick. 
actually. The end of Matthew's gospel, all power and authority has been given to me. He's done the first three. You can bet your bottom dollar he is going to do the fourth one. It's the only thing left. Easter says Jesus is going to return as judge. Do you believe that? Well, how are we supposed to respond to that? Do I simply want you to dwell on that for a moment? Reflect upon it. See how unexpected it is. No. Jesus wants you to do far more than that. You need to do far more than that. What is it that Jesus says to do? Verse 24. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Here is the Easter demand. These are very demanding words and so we try and soften them. You must deny yourself. Have less Easter eggs next year. Give up something for Lent. You've got to take up your cross. We've all got a cross to bear. Yours might be arthritis. Yours might be a tiresome neighbour who fights you over the fence. But that's not what Jesus means here, is it? Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What does it mean to, mean to deny yourself? Well, there's someone in Matthew's gospel who denies someone. Do you remember? Peter denied knowing Jesus. He denied knowing him. He turned his back on him. It was a serious turning away from him. Jesus says you must deny yourself. Turn away from living for yourself. Jesus says you must take up your cross. It means the same thing, I think. It's not a cross to bear, a difficult situation in life. If you saw someone carrying a cross in the first century, you didn't ask them, what are you doing today? It was obvious. They're going to die. Jesus is saying, come and die. Die to yourself. Live for me. If you want to be convinced that's what Jesus means, he says it very clearly in verse 25. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Why would you lose your life, give up living for yourself for Jesus? because he's been killed, he's been raised and he's come to God and received a kingdom. You'd be a fool to live for yourself if Jesus is now the king. Who do you say I am, says Jesus? You are the Christ, God's king. He's coming back as a judge. Who then do you think is worth living for? You? You? Me? I don't think so. As James reminded us, today is April Fool's Day. Ministers don't know much, but they do know what date Sunday is going to be, and they're even better on what Easter Sunday is going to be. And so about a month ago, I realised that this year was going to be April Fool's Day for Easter Sunday. This has never happened to me before. This opportunity has never laid before me before. What am I going to do with it, I wondered. 
And so I've been trying to think of something clever. Would I ride in on a unicycle or a red bike dressed as an Easter bunny and somehow be a fool? I couldn't find any link to Jesus. But then I realised the fool is right here in this passage, isn't he? You'd be a fool to think that Easter was expected. That it was expected that God's king would be killed. That it would be expected that he'd be raised. You'd be a fool not to be amazed by that, even though you've heard it every year of your life. But more than that, there's more to Easter than he was killed and raised. He's coming to his kingdom and he's coming as judge. And you and I would be a fool not to submit to him. So I want to ask you tonight, have you done that? Denied yourself, taken up your cross and followed him. If you have, are you keeping on doing that each day? Denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. You would be a fool not to do it. Do you see that's what Jesus says here? What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Here is the unexpected Easter. Please don't be an Easter fool. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Easter is so unexpected even though we think it is so normal and we think we know all of it. Father, help us to dwell upon the fact that your promised king must be killed, and he was. Help us to dwell on the fact that your promised king must be raised, and he was. And Father, help us to accept that he has come into his kingdom and will return as judge. Father, please save us from being a fool. Please enable us to submit to him by denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.